Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the corner where the truth is. Is this the, the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It comes down to that, that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We touched down from a higher plane. Why you made it here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got you. The man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys <laughs> too, but Dante was my guy. Get the dashes because you're done on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chief Concerns, the post-game show. I'm Marcus Dash here with Lance from uh, the Spoken Podcast, and our guy Jason Dunn, former Chiefs tight end, will be joining us in a couple minutes here. But let's start. Man. Hey, last week at this time, we were miserable. Um, even though I will say last week, we weren't that upset about the loss. I think it was just more about, you know, losing. I mean, none, of, none of us like losing. But today it makes up for any kind of pain we felt last week by beating the number one defense in the National Football League. They ranked two against the pass, ranked two against the run. We dominated them. We wiped the floor with them. Although, I got to say, at the beginning of that game, when they were kind of gashing us down the field a little bit and they just kept talking about CMC this, CMC that, I'm like, dude, I'm like, if we lose this game, I do not want to – Yeah, I will dislike CMC forever. And I kind of like CMC, but the way that game started, I was talking about CMC enough, enough of the CMC talk. And we pretty much stopped that real fast with the way we played tonight. But, Lance, what – did you think of this dominating performance, man? So going into this matchup, I felt very confident. And I know it's easy to say that now when the Chiefs put up a, a dominating performance like that. I didn't anticipate it to be that much of a victory. I did expect the Chiefs to win by double digits because of the fact that going into it, we didn't know for sure who was going to be healthy for the 49ers. But the, the biggest reason for me was the, the absolute mismatch at quarterback is the fact that the Chiefs knew going into this game, if they could, if they could score 30, they're going to win this game. And I think that Patrick Mahomes knew that. I think the frustrating loss at home against the Bills when the Chiefs had that game won multiple times, losing that effort, losing that game at home to a team that they know they're going to have to compete with deeper into the season on the AFC side of things, they're going to take care of business. And then Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs continue to dominate NFC opponents. I believe they're 16-2 and in the Patrick Mahomes era now against NFC opponents. And they're averaging, I think, north of 36 points per game in those matchups. He just absolutely dominates not only NFC opponents, but now the, the 49ers. Because in the 49 in the in the Patrick Mahomes era, the 49ers and Chiefs have played three different times. Two in the regular season, one in this obviously in the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs have won by at least 11 points in all three games. They have absolutely dominated Kyle Shanahan and this 49ers team. And here's the best part. 
is unlike my expectations going into this game, the 49ers have no excuse because they got healthy right at the right time. And to your point, added Christian McCaffrey, who looked like he was going to do something early in that game. And as I expected, ended up becoming a non-factor overall when he didn't do much in the second half at all. And that's to be expected because he's new to this team. But the point remains, man, the Chiefs made a statement just like they did a few weeks ago in Tampa Bay against the number one defense at that time when they dropped 41 points in their house. They go in there against the number one defense that's healthy this time in San Francisco and drop 44. It was an absolute statement victory. Nothing short of incredible. And you know it's going to make us all feel good for the next 13 plus days as the Chiefs get a much deserved bye week after that rough sled uh, of those first seven games of the schedule, man. Yeah. Um, this is Lance from the Spoken Podcast talking here with us on Chief Concerns. Um, I got to say, the fact that last week and we on our Chief Concerns show and partly after the game, we were kind of talking about a lot of things that pe uh, people were saying about the kind of the inner fighting amongst Chiefs Kingdom, the classic, you know, everyone says one thing about somebody, I, you know, the Nick Bolton regression BS, um, and people arguing about that. But I have to say, people this whole season has been, have been talking about how good the San Francisco defense is. And, and it, all the numbers, if you look at all, all the measurables, going into, like, I think week four, they're being compared to the 1985 Bears. That's kind of number. That's kind of numbers this defense was putting up. And then I see on Twitter, after the game's over, San Francisco 49ers just fans just killing each other about, their team, like our our success is predicated on just being able to stop people. Forget about our offense. Their success is, is predicated on being able to stop people. And what we did today against them was like, I mean, we're, we're, that, that, that that's a that, that, that's a collapse waiting to happen over there. Um, I gotta say, uh, one of the big things going into today was Pacheco. Um, talk about being the starter running back, or I think that was more just kind of just to get at CEH because I think CEH ended up having more carries than him actually yeah. during game time. Um, and I think that kind of lit a fire under CEH's butt and you, and he looked phenomenal today. Um, what did you think about that? I know you're a huge Pacheco guy. I'm still on the fence of Pacheco, but as we're seeing at a comment right here, uh, my brother actually commenting, um, Pacheco kick returner. He looked freaking badass. He's been getting a lot of shit from us as far as his kick return duties. And he dominated today. What do you got to say about your guy, Pacheco? Uh, yeah, coming into training camp, I said that this guy has running back two potential, and I think by week 11, he was going to be the starting running back for this team. Well, it happened a lot sooner. In fact, it happened a month earlier than I expected. And the biggest reason why is because this guy has those intangibles, and the Chiefs said it themselves even recently in a, in a, in a recent um, press release where they talked about how they see him the same way they saw Kareem Hunt. And whenever there's a time the Chiefs compare you to Kareem Hunt in a positive light, they got plans for you, man. And I'm telling you right now that Pacheco shows it because what he does is he runs without fear. And that's what you want out of a young running back, let alone any running back at all, but especially out of a young running back where it doesn't look like the moment's too big. I know we've talked about this on your guys' show before, where it doesn't look like Pacheco is a deer caught in the headlights, where he doesn't know what to do the moment things don't look easy or there isn't this gaping hole in front of him. He creates things with his aggressiveness. And even in special teams, I was seeing the unfortunate events on Twitter before the game, long before the game this morning, where people were trying to say that Pacheco's not even a fast guy, not, doesn't even have speed. Well, he did everything to prove that today, man, both in special teams and in the offense, making big plays on both sides. I mean, that, that first kickoff in the second half, man, I mean, he put the Chiefs, on, I believe, on the 33-yard line. I mean, he made things easy for the Chiefs today, and he earned himself. If he if he continues to start for the rest of the season, I mean, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I think that's the right thing to do at this time because even Eric Bieniemy said about a week and a half ago that they're gonna continue to ride the hot hand, and I think that that Pacheco is becoming that guy slowly but surely. I will say to your point though about Clyde, the fact that Clyde saw that, and he's the kind of guy that I think 
uses those things in the positive where he doesn't get down about that. He doesn't let that get in his head. He lets that ignite him. And now he just scored his sixth touchdown of the season today. And so I think that Clyde and Pacheco bouncing off each other, not to mention the fact that maybe the play of the game, McKinnon on a third and 20, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, has a humongous dump-off ball, that Al Saunders special, where it baits the, the pass rushers in, he just throws it over the top, mm -hmm. and he goes and gets himself 25 yards. That is, the, that is the play that I absolutely love, and I've been begging the Chiefs to run on more often because it works almost every single time, and McKinnon is always the guy. I call him Clutch McKinnon because of plays like that. He continues to, to extend drives on long, long plays, and all three running backs, man, absolutely played their roles today, and I couldn't be more happy about it. I don't expect these guys to play great every single week because we know more times than not, these guys are a little bit more on the underwhelming side. But in big games like this, you see them come alive. And Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy set them up for success today. And Patrick Mahomes put them in position to succeed. And I couldn't be more happy about the results that we saw today from the offense. Yeah, I will say it is interesting, though, that he was named the starting running back. And he kind of, we didn't really see him pretty much that most of that game. And he got mo most of his carries. I think he only beat uh, CH by two carries. And that was at the end when Henny was in there and he, he's getting carries. So, like, really even though he was named the starter, CH had more carries and touches than him throughout the game. Um, I mean, obviously he got this more, yeah. he got more carries over in the, uh, with the, with the, the backups at the end of the game. But um, yeah, he looked, uh, I just like the whole committee aspect. They, they all, they, they all have the role. Um, and whether it's, you're the starting guy, that doesn't mean you're going to be the, the game more touches as we saw today. Um, I do got to say with the, the, the slow, I get what people were saying. I'm, I obviously his numbers show and his 40 yard dash, the combine, the fastest running back in the draft. Pacheco straight line guy. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle, which as far as return wise, you usually have some kind of guy, you know, a little shifty type. Um, but today he was being decisive. He was planting and going, he was being decisive and finding that hole and on the, uh, in getting us past the 25 almost every time. Great. It, it was awesome. Especially the criticism that you don't really get a lot of criticism on the show. And that was the one that we did point out with the kick return stuff. And that was taken care of and it looked really nice this week. Um, we do got to talk about this a little bit on the special teams aspect. Sky Moore, um, another, I think his second, third muff punt, second muff punt inside the 10 uh, on the season. Um, what do we, uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? A lot of people are being pretty harsh with, uh, with Sky Moore on, uh, on that. It's it, it comes down to coaching for me, man, because Sky Moore has proven it time and time again this season. That's not his skill set. He is not a punt return. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe back in college, he he didn't return punts. So I don't really know what they're doing with him. And, I, and he's shown it time and time again. He just does not have that to his game, at least to this point. This kid has serious upside as a wide receiver. I do see it. And I know I saw you post a stat about, I believe, the last two targets he's had this season have ended in interceptions. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But you know what? There are growing pains to his game. And we knew that coming into this season as a second-round pick – Andy Reid's offense, it's going to take him some time, probably a full season for him to really understand this offense, to get comfortable in it and become an actual weapon in this offense, which is why I was nobody that was expecting Sky Moore to put big up big numbers this year. But to bring it back to the special team side of things, man, it's very frustrating that Dave Tobe continues to put this kid in this position because it, the first mistake he made was trying to in, in, uh, catch the ball within the five-yard line. Mm -hmm. you got to let that ball bounce, man. Mm -hmm. When it's within eight, nine yards of, of, of the end zone, I'm not touching that ball. You want to let that bounce into the back of the end zone because more likely he's going to do that. So even doing that is stupid in itself. So that was 
Very careless on that side. You can blame Sky Moore for that. But Dave Tobe putting him in that position makes no sense whatsoever. And luckily, our guy Joshua Williams had a big play with that pressure from Carl Loftus to Jimmy yeah. G throwing the pick. Luckily, that happened. Otherwise, man, you're, you're, you're submitting seven points. You're basically conceding seven points to a better quarterback if it wasn't for Jimmy G being on the other side. So I, I don't understand why the Chiefs are doing this. And I really hope by now they learn their lesson for the final time. Because like you said, that is his third month punt of the season. Hopefully by now they start to put guys like McCole Hardman back there that can actually do the job. That's my hope. And hopefully after three muff punts, they finally get the, they finally understand this. Well, I think in, in you know, in, in regards to that, I think, cause we didn't see another punt after that. Um, after that punt, I don't believe we saw another punt. We saw the safety upon or the safety kickoff, which is a punt. McCole Hardman was the one who uh, was the one who returned. So I don't know. I don't know if they have, you know, they have a safety punt team or a kickoff team, but Harbin was the one back there doing that, not um, not Sky Moore with those duties. Um, but in regards to Josh Williams getting the pick before halftime, since we're sticking with this topic of special teams, we're going to get to the receivers. I, I know there's some comments out there about the way the offense played, and we're going to get to that. We're going to spend some time on that. Um, but right before halftime, either, either Joshua Williams pick, go down there, miss field goal. Um, I know Butker going into the season was, you know, one of the best kickers in the league. He still is one of the best kickers in the league, but I don't know, man. We, we haven't kicking blunders this offseason or during the early part of the season with, with Amendola, uh, Matthew Wright. But, I mean, what do you have to say about that? The kicking situation. I mean, oh, that, just, that kick was awful. I mean, it, it, yeah. literally, it literally looked like he was trying to, like, you know when people put up targets – and you have to like try to throw it, you know, when the quarterbacks do those dribbles. That's what it like he was trying to hit a moving target. It was yeah. such a bad kick. But I'm I'm gonna defend Harrison Butker in this regard. The Chiefs shouldn't even been in that position. Uh, Tony Dungy tweeted about this. Tony Dungy is like the least controversial guy in the history of human beings. And he wrote this big long tweet about how horrible the officiating was on that drive. That drive alone, the Chiefs were taken, were, were, their, their final timeout was taken from them because the ref made a mistake in thinking that Andy Reid called a timeout, which he clearly mm. did not. Mm. And then Juju Smith-Schuster back at the end zone gets a touchdown, should be seven points from the Chiefs. They call an horrendous penalty. I believe it was on McKinnon, if I'm not mistaken, yep. on the Bosa block that yep. happened three times previous. So that should have never even happened. Harrison Bucker should have never been in that position. But to your point, yes. I am a little concerned. I'm not as concerned as if, if Harrison Butker was out for an extended period of time. If he, let's say, he was out for the season, and we had Matt Wright or one of these other guys out here that was trying to kick uh, field goals for the Chiefs, because we both know, man, that it came down to getting to the AFC Championship. Harrison Butker had a, had to kick a 49-yard field goal yep. when when Patrick Holmes drove them down the field. I don't know how many how many uh, kickers would have made that field goal in that type of situation. Harrison Butker's his nails far more than he's not. If I'm not mistaken, he converts over 90% of his career kicks, which is one of the greatest in, in NFL history. Yep. I believe right behind Justin Tucker, who's the greatest kicker I've ever seen. Mm. So I, I I'm going to give him a break on this one. It was a terrible kick. But more times than not, Butker's going to cash those in, and I'm going to I'm going to put my faith in him. If it was Matt Wright, I'd be terrified. If we, if we didn't have Butker anymore, if he got hurt, I'd be terrified. But knowing it's him, I'm going to put my faith in Butker that he's going to nail those more times than he doesn't. Yeah, no, I, yeah, Butker's good, and, and you know it's, it's going to take him time to get reacclimated to things. But that's that, that. And we'll talk about the the Jared McKinnon penalty. JD had a lot to say on that online. We, him, and I were texting about that. So he's gonna he's gonna want to comment on that when he when he joins us in a little bit. Um, but talking about um, uh, so before the game, everyone's talking about the Brian Burns, right? This whole week, what free agent acquisition are we gonna get? After seeing that game and seeing, hey, Frank Clark, Frank Clark came to life today. He, I, I think Frank Clark's back. I mean, what, do you, what, do you, what do you say? I mean, do, okay. I think we. I, th I still think we need an edge rusher. But how big of a need is it after what, the way you saw the guys play today? 
Oh, it's still a massive need because okay. you're not going to face Jimmy Garoppolo every week. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo was terrible, man, for the majority of this game. I, I think that he was taking what the defense was giving him, which was in the flats and the little intermediate pass areas, the five to ten yards in the middle of the field, and he was doing that. I'll give him credit for that. But for me, man, I think this had – I'm not taking nothing away from the Chiefs' pass rush, but let's be honest. For the majority of that game, the Chiefs were struggling to get, get pressure on, on Jimmy Garoppolo and to get him down. They did it at, towards the end of the game, and I will give them credit for that. But it's not consistent enough. Outside of Chris Jones, who, by the way, in my opinion, has been the best defensive player in the league this season, he's been unbelievable. I, I hope before they leave San Francisco, they paid, uh, they extend him for three more years because Chris Jones is unbelievably great, man. He's, he's maybe having his best season. But outside of him... You can't count on anybody else. Mike Dana is still hurt with that calf injury. Carlos Dunlap is just a rotational piece at this point. He's been good. He's been fine, but he's a rotational piece. Frank Clark, before this game, has done literally nothing this season. And then Karloftis, who's showing promise, still isn't a guy that you want to put bank on and say, all right, we got Karloftis, we got Chris Jones, let's run it. Let's see what we can do. You yeah. have to add a piece before the trade deadline. I don't know if it's going to be Brian Burns. I don't believe the Panthers and when they put out the report that they passed on multiple firsts because that's the best they're going to get out of any trade with Brian Burns. As, as awesome as he is, as mm -hmm. young as he is in the position he plays, I don't believe that for a second. I understand what the Panthers are doing by upping the ante and upping the price by putting that out there, but there is no way in hell they passed up on multiple firsts for Brian Burns. But in my opinion, see, I'm one of those people – I, I don't value picks as much as other people do, especially when the Chiefs have so many picks to utilize yeah. to do what they want to do. They have over 12 picks, probably going to have 13 picks if Eric bien gets a head coaching job. They get a compensatory pick with that. So you're looking at 12-plus picks for back-to-back yeah. -back years the Chiefs can utilize and do what they want to do. For me, I like sure things more than what-ifs. Sure, the Chiefs can utilize one of those picks early in the draft to get a pass rusher. But here's the problem. More than likely, the Chiefs are going to have the 29th, 30th, 31st, to 32nd overall pick, which is a glorified second-round pick. Yeah. So what would you rather do? Try to trade up and be aggressive and hopefully get a guy in the draft that might turn into something? Or go and get a 25-year-old Brian Burns, pay him some money, and you know this guy who's averaging nine sacks a season over his last three years can be that next guy for you. Or go get Jack Jaguars' Josh Allen. Go yep. and get somebody like that that you know what they are. They're a proven commodity. For me, no franchise is the same, and franchises are going in different directions. The Chiefs continue to ascend. Other teams continue to descend. The Panthers need all the picks they can get. So if the Chiefs are serious about Brian Burns, and they're asking for multiple early-round picks, for me, it's worth it for the Chiefs because they're a win-now team. Yes, the Mahomes window is wide open, but when mm -hmm. you have an opportunity to win Super Bowls right now, Picks should not matter. I know Clark Hunt wants a pick because the Chiefs are hosting the draft next year. But what matters more, holding your second Lombardi in four years or hosting a draft and having the 30, 31st overall pick? For yeah. me, it's door number one, and it's not close. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I do think there's a lot. There, there, there's, there's a lot of guys who are reportedly available, or at least I've heard names. Brian Burns are obviously asking for a lot. Um, I don't know. I think Carolina's turning around. They beat Brady uh, today. I think the Carolina's turning around. CMC was a cancer. They got rid of him, and look what happened. They won today. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say, though, uh, Brian Burns, yeah, you're, you're getting this guy who's a sure thing. Um, and, and I think, what, trading our, trading our first, trading our third that we're getting from uh, um, from the Bears, the, the Ryan Poles, um, that pick. I think we have an extra fourth-round pick, too. Mm -hmm. First, third, yep. and fourth with Burns. I wouldn't be that mad about it. Really, we don't have that many needs, guys. We don't, and I know people are saying don't sell the farm. I get that. We don't have that many needs. We need an edge rusher. And you get that edge rusher. That's that's an edge rusher you have for a good amount of time. He's a young guy. 
But there's also other guys out there. You mentioned Josh Allen, uh, Montez Sweat. I heard it's another name possible. Um, and then you have uh, Bradley Chubb, who's another one that it came out in. In division, I don't know how much they're going to want to deal with us. Um, and then Robert Quinn. I know that Robert Quinn's available, supposedly. But he's 33 years old, has oh, one man. And, and and I think that the, at best you're giving up a fifth or sixth round pick. I don't know much of a difference maker he'd be at this point of his career. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I yeah, he he'd be solid for a six rounder maybe like something late. But like, if we're gonna make a trade for someone, let's get someone that we don't have to deal. We don't have to like come back to the same conversation in two years time. And, right. and I think Burns, Burns, Bradley Chubb, Montez Sweat, those guys would be perfect for that. Um, and I think uh, someone made it so. So our guy, Mark Twain, what's up, Mark? Uh, says, don't sell the farm. And then um, my brother, also Chiefs fan, uh, will say that same logic was made with Frank in the massive contract as well. Let me let me say something to that. I, I, I Look, I'm, I'm very down the middle with this take. I understand that Frank Clark has not lived up to the contract and the trade as a whole. Trust me, I get that. I'm very critical on Frank Clark. But let's make no mistake about it. The Chiefs not only got Frank Clark in that trade, which he was a madman in that, in that Super Bowl run, got five sacks in that playoff run, helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, but the Chiefs also got Colin Sanders out of that, and he has absolutely helped us big time, losing Turk Wharton this season. Colin Saunders has started seven straight games and has been a baller this year. He's really shored up that middle of the defensive line in a lot of ways. He's played really good. So the Chiefs got two starters out of that. And for, here's the other thing. We don't know what the Chiefs would have got with that 2018 first round or that 2019 first round pick. We have no idea. What I do know is the Chiefs got a Super Bowl out of it, and I'd like to believe that Frank Clark had a part of doing that. I think the Chiefs were better with Frank Clark that year than with the first round pick. You can hindsight it all you want, but the Chiefs, the results are there. And the Chiefs won. I don't think the Rams are regretting trading all those first round picks. They got a Super Bowl out of it. So yeah. winning is what matters. I mean, I know we're not, I get it. We're not used to that as Chiefs fans. We're not used to Super Bowls being a reality for us. But mm -hmm. teams like teams like the Chiefs now make moves like that each and every year. Teams get aggressive when they know they have needs. And to your point, Marcus, the Chiefs don't have a lot of needs, but no. they do have a need at a very important position, and it's pass yep. rush. They yep. do need to improve. And if yep. you can do that immediately with a sure player, a guy that you know by giving up what ifs, man, to me, it's 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 an open and closed case right there, man. I think you have to pull the trigger. Yeah. No. Um not just the first round pick or a Super Bowl because we might get stuck with a bad contract in three years. Yeah. Um, okay, but here, but what's a bad contract? That's the question I have to ask. Because if you're going to tell me that Brian Burns is going to turn into a lemon, I, I just don't see it. Or or a Montez Sweat. I don't think those guys are going to be lemons. I think those guys are worth taking that. It's going to be a risk no matter what, Marcus. I think we'd agree with that, right? Yeah. You know, I, I agree. It's just that we didn't think this. We didn't think Clark was going to kind of you know kind of tail off in the way and and kind of in the fashion that he did. I mean, that, that's the only thing. But you're right. You are taking a risk whenever you get. Well, you're not taking a risk when you, you're paying Patrick Mahomes. That, 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 that's a risk you, you weren't taking. I think everyone knew that one. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of pass rush guys, and the best part is there's a lot of pass top-notch young pass rushers on teams that aren't doing well right now, and that's why we could swoop in. And okay, the Josh Allen thing we we've talked about uh, getting Josh Allen on our show, but has there been any kind of uh, where he wants out? I haven't heard anything about Josh Allen. Or is that just fan speculation that Josh Allen would want out? No, the reason why I think that it's it's still very much valid is he hasn't signed a long-term deal with the Jaguars. He's up for a contract extension, and he hasn't done it. And for me, mm. I would imagine that the Jaguars have offered him something because he's a really good player, and he's in the middle. He's just now entering his prime years. 
Yeah. So I'd have to imagine the Jaguars know anything about anything, and having, especially having Doug Peterson there, uh, an understudy of Andy Reid. He has to believe that it's rare to find. You don't just find Josh Allen's laying around, man. So nope. I have to believe that, that the Jaguars are trying to aggressively keep him. But I, I, I haven't heard anything about that. I haven't heard about just, uh, Josh Allen wanting to stay in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Now that they're 2-5, and five, I, I just I don't think that they have really much going for them this year. Unless they can turn it around in the middle of the year and have a nice little run. I don't see that happening. I think they're a team that's a year away. Is Josh Allen really willing to stay by that? Or does he want to go and make money while also being on a number one contender or a team that's you know in the, in the Super Bowl hunt each and every year? I don't want to speak for the guy, but if I was him, I mean, I think it's a pretty cut and dry situation. I want to go where I can win and make money too, man. Yeah, no, I get that. Mark, uh, so th- I've seen this a-, a few times. So obviously Carolina said they want mul- two- multiple firsts for it. They also said the same thing about McCaffrey, and then we obviously saw, saw the trade that they did. They didn't get multiple firsts for him. And, yeah, and then the report came out today about how they declined two firsts. I don't think anyone's declining two firsts. I think that they're just trying to see what they can get, as, as Lance said earlier on the show. Um, but uh, so moving on to uh, talk about the offense. I know J.D. will be on here in a second. But uh, talk about the offense today, man. Um, Juju had given us had told us like two weeks ago, that he and Patrick were, were, were starting to get in the groove. You're, you're, you're going to see it eventually. It's going it's to come. It's going to come. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Last week he tore it up, and then he said, "It's it's we're continuing to build this rapport. We're continuing to build this rapport." And all of a sudden, t- today, man, I think I was talking about the other day. I, I don't know. We I didn't think we were going to have a 1,000 yard receiver. I think Juju's going to be our guy. I, with the ways it's going right now, Juju's going to be our guy. Is our, our 1,000 our lone 1,000 yard receiver? Obviously with with Kelsey, but he's going to be our lone wide receiver who's get to 1,000 yards. I, dude, I love it, man. And I, I hope Juju signs a, a long-term deal with us in the offseason. I know he's got a one-year contract with us. Please sign a long-term deal here, man. Be our like possession guy or move the chains guy with Kelsey for the, the rest of your days, man. Let's just make it happen right now. I, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm offering him a four-year, $70 million right now. I want I want Juju here for the next four years because the guy just turned 26 and you're starting to you're starting to see what Andy Reid wanted two years ago when he was recruiting Juju Smith Schuster. He this is what he is in this offense, man. Back to back 100 yard games, back to back one touchdown game. Should have had two today, but I don't want to get into that again. I know JD's yeah. takes on that horrific uh, officiating, but yes, he's fine. He's on pace. If I'm not mistaken, he's on pace for over 1,100 yards this year. This yep. guy, I said it as soon as the Chiefs signed him, I said, this is going to be a career year for Juju. I know that in 2018 or 2017, he had, I think, 13, 1,400 yards. That was that was a really good statistical season for him. But a lot of those games were either blowouts, both for the Steelers or against the Steelers. I think this is the season where these stats are going to really have context to them, where he's actually doing this for a team that, that actually matters, a team that's actually winning big games. And Juju has been an absolute pivotal piece for this offense over the last two weeks, even back to the Colts game, he had a 53-yard return or uh, reception that yeah. led to the the drive that or that led to the play that Travis Kelsey should have snuck in and got that game-winning touchdown. So Juju's been a contributor for the better part of the last month, and yeah. so I, I really like what I'm seeing from him. I mean, three receivers, including Travis Kelsey, today had over 95 yards, and I know they tried to give Travis Kelsey that additional two yards to make him the or tied with Gronk, if I'm not mistaken, for the most 100-yard gains by a 32. Time. Yeah. He's going to get that this season. And Travis Kelsey's the best tight end that's ever lived. He's only proven that more and more each and every game that he plays. But, yeah, MVS connecting, for, I think, three catches for 111 yards. The MVP to MVS connection is looking really good too, man. They're clicking. And, and I'm going to run the stat after the show. I'm going to go find the stats. But going into this week, uh, this season, the Chiefs had more – I think there was eight more plays of 20-plus yards than they had last season with Tyree Kill to this point of the season. 
So they're exp they're leading the league, if I'm not mistaken, in 20 plus yard plays. They're leading yeah. league in first down uh, percentage. For uh, dude, they're they're leading third down conversion percentage by over 20 percent in the NFL. Right. I think the league average is like 25 percent. Chiefs are converting at almost 48 percent. It's absurd how great this offense is, man. They're clicking on all cylinders. And the best part about it is we got to give these guys credit. The big man up front. They dominate, dude, mm -hmm. in big games. Against the Bucks. offensive line dominated. Against the Niners, offensive line dominated. Nick Bosa yep. looked lost the majority of that game. So I love what Juju's doing. I love what the receivers are doing. And it all starts with the offensive line giving Patrick Holmes time to dice up those secondaries, man. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you. All right, so our guy, a, a long-awaited guy, our co-host, the former tight end, Jason Dunn, the man, the myth, the legend. What's hey, up, buddy? What's How going on, man? How's it going, brother? How's it going? How's everybody Mitchell, doing? How you doing? Good, good. Marcus, I got to get one of them headbands, man. <laughs> I, I can't believe you ain't sent me anything yet. I'm, I'll I'm tell curious. you what, 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 when I see when I see you this week, I, you, you got one, buddy. <laughs> okay. All right. I love it. I love it. What's um, going on? How y'all doing? Uh, every, everyone's loving this right now. We, Jenny, we, we talked about on the, on the chat here with our, with our lovely fans. We are talking about what, after this, after seeing this game, what, what position of need do we still need to go after Do we still think we need to go after pass rush? I mean, that's where we're at right now. Everyone's so on top of the moon with the way we saw today. People don't even think we need a pass rusher anymore. Yes. <laughs> now, we do. They, they still think we need one. <laughs> yes, we do. I agree. I agree. You, can't, you never had too much pass rush. That's how I no. feel about it. I mean, seriously, I, there was a, there was a few times that Jimmy G was a little bit too comfortable back there sitting. I didn't like that at all. Too I'm just like, wait a minute, where's where's everybody at? Okay, and so you know, with uh, Jimmy G, who, who's I wouldn't say at, at the top of the echelon of quarterbacks in the league. I like him. I think he's you know, but you can't let a guy like that sit back there and just pick you apart. You got sign of receivers around him, and so I just. Uh, I, th I think we like pass rush is always something that to me we need. I love that. I love that. So, uh, hey man, look, it was a great win today. You know, everybody looked you know pretty good as far as like the focus up. It started early in the week with Patrick telling guys like this is what we look. We're coming in here to do. We're focused off after losing to Buffalo. You know, we're coming in. We're not playing around. And so I said this before. I said, look, I'm sorry that we had to break up the whole McCaffrey <laughs> coming to play party. In San Fran, but it, we just had to do what we had to do, pure and simple. And so, um, that that's that's what it ended up coming down and boiling down to. Those guys were focused up the entire time. I heard Lance say that the offensive line up front, they look good. They start opening holes. It's very physical up front, and you can see it mm -hmm. uh, getting out on the perimeter too. It looked beautiful out on the perimeter running. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, look at that, that Chiefs wall, red, just running, just mowing guys over. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I just everything around here, the defense looked great. Uh special teams, I know we talk about the sky more doing a little muff and all of that. And you know, I said last week, you know, McCole Harmon, hey, we, we gotta have somebody back there consistent. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I hate that for him. I hate that for Sky, uh, not making that play. I mean, seriously. Uh other than that, you know, look good. Uh, this is something that we we, we kind of talked about over text, JD, and you, you tweeted about it. Um, mm -hmm. So you were giving you were giving uh, Jarek McKinnon and the running backs their flowers for for adding to that you know the pass blocking to the protection, yeah. and then all of a sudden they call that ridiculous call, which takes a you know negates a touchdown, and we missed the field goal on that uh, on that play. Talk to us about what you thought about the protection from the RBs, and then oh. also talk to us about how bad that penalty was. Dude, I, I could not understate how how important that is 
to get the defensive ends hands down. I mean, when you're talking about a work of art, I mean, you have to physically do that in practice to be good at it consistently. I'm telling you, it's, it's kind of hard to do. And so McKinnon was doing it. And every time I seen him rolling out and McKinnon, defense ends, hands flying up, and then you just see him go down. I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful how he was doing it because you had to hit him right in the thigh. Okay. So it wasn't like, uh, I guess the call was it was outside the tight end. Uh, is that what he said? Something like the tight end box? Yeah, Which tight end box. Yeah. It wasn't. Okay. I'm, I'm a, I lined up as a tight end. That is not outside the tight end box. Not at all. Okay. He was like a seven or a nine. That's not outside the tight end's box. So that was a bad call in itself. I, I just, I just live it with that call. And like you said, literally, I was giving, I was like, man, can I just tell everybody how great of a job these running backs are doing? You know, for Patrick seeing the lane and getting them to the outside. I mean, it was just, it was perfect. I love, I love the game plan of that. Okay. And you had a guy who's done it before and you could tell he'd done it before. And it was perfect. If you wanted to put a clinic on, on how you cut a defensive end it the right way, that's how you do it. So I it just, it was just, it was a horrible call, man. Absolute horrible call. Took away the touchdown and then we missed the field goal. So that, I was even more since then that cost me the field goal. So I just, I don't know, man. I, you know what, Lance, I, I know you don't necessarily like the refs. I I, I hear you. I don't you kind of talk about it. I'm starting to kind of, I, I try to give them with a level of grace dealing with the referees, but I'm, I'm really starting to believe these jokers, man. I started having that for us. I really do. I don't understand what's going on. I don't. <laughs> Look, I, I, I know I I know I come off strong. Trust me, it's it's bad. But here, I think for the first time in my life, I'm starting to sound like I'm a voice of reason over here, man. Yeah. It's getting bad. You know it's bad when they're making me look smart. That's what I'm saying. Dude. <laughs> look, I, look, I, hey, uh, I know you're hard on them, and, and I get every, every bit of it. I love it. I, I love I love your your anger toward them, and, and you give them the business. You do, and I'm just like, dang, Lance, give them a, just give them a little break, just a little bit. But now I'm sitting back like, yeah, let's get them. Jump on them, jokers. Get all over them, you know? <laughs> well, now that I got the JD seal of approval, I got to keep going, man. I- I'm going to leave that now. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, JD, so we kind of talked about the uh, the offense a little bit. Uh, the rapport that Juju has been hinting at, that he was going to be slowly getting that with Patrick, and we we're finally yeah. seeing that. Um, we're also seeing – uh, a nine ball connection with uh, MVS today that everyone was waiting for. When we're going to see a kind of a vertical shot, we finally connected on one. We were this close in that uh, Colts game between those two, and we ended up getting one today. So, are you start? Are we starting to see the? Um, are we starting to see the kind of the connection and stuff and the kind of rapport that was built in Texas this offseason to now? Are we starting to see that in Week Seven going into the bye? Absolutely, for sure. I, I think you know it starts there. It starts with you know getting you know guys getting rapport, getting on the same level as far as like, what do you want to do? Explaining what it is that, you know, is kind of required from me. Uh, and I think Juju and, and MBS definitely benefited from that. And Patrick also too, just having those guys. And so sometimes when you see guys like that, man, you start having trust in them. And we knew, look, these guys are coming from championship teams, okay? Pittsburgh and Green Bay. So they understand what that means as far as winning, you know, sort of like the standard of doing things in the NFL, Okay. So I knew this is what the offense is going to look like. We knew we didn't necessarily had a clear number one, right? We know Juju now is just kind of – he's stepping out on his own. But we, we we understood it's what Juju was, right, when we brought him here. You know, he's he's trying to, you know, kind of bounce his his career back. And so he had to show those things. 
Well, we knew Juju had that ability about him. MVS was one like one of those guys because you know he he's good at deep balls. Hmm. Okay, but now he's starting to catch more things because he's just kind of like that that extra guy in the offense. And so I, I just I like how everything was just going today. How everything was just it had like a nice rhythm and tempo to everything. And then all of a sudden, the, like the handoffs to McCall Harmon, which we should have been doing all year because that's what he does. That you know we we know that that jet sweep with him is dangerous. He takes one to the house. He might. I tell you what, I, and I thought about this. McCall Harmon might be one of the best tightrope walkers out there. Dude, if he wasn't a football player, man, he might be in the circus doing a tightrope walk. Seriously. Because <laughs> when he runs that sideline, it looks like he's going out, man. But he is, man, I'm talking, he is right there on steps, man. It looks it looks beautiful. And so we knew it was going to take time with these guys. But I was encouraged because I knew these guys were like veteran guys, you know. And so when you had the best quarterback in football, you knew good things was just going to happen. It just – it took, just took some time to get there. And I think now, even going after, after Dubai, these guys are going to be on even a bigger level. You know what I'm saying? You're going, you're going to really see exactly what this offense can do. And so how, how many receivers we hit today? You know, eight. different. Eight. I mean, come on, man. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so what what uh, Lance was saying, because I came in, he was talking about what you said, the, the most 20-plus uh, yards in the NFL – yeah, so they, they lead they lead the league, and I think in explosive plays, they have the best first down percentage, and they lead the third down completion per, uh, conversion percent by over 20%. The league average is over is about 25, and the Chiefs are flirting around 48, 49%. So they're they're dominating and converting third downs. They're dominating on first downs. They're just dominating, man. And, it, it, and I just throw this little stat out there for you guys so you can use this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, without Tyree killing his career now, because I know this is still a topic, they're now 9-3. and three. He completes 65% of his passes. He has over 325 yards per game, 28 touchdowns to only six interceptions with a 107 quarterback rating. So I think he's okay. I think he's doing all right without old Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's killing it too. He's on pace to have 2,000 receiving yards. But Patrick Mahomes is just fine without Cheetah. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, uh, nobody knew what that was going to look like. And it took a little bit more of like like Patrick understanding reading defenses you know, guys kind of blocking for him, but we knew he had the ability to throw the ball anywhere, any window. Uh, but he's more selective yeah. in his, his, you know, decision making as far as what he's doing, and that's what I love about it because he's starting to see things and he's he's being patient with you know with this you know the thought process. You could kind of see it when I'm watching him how it was last year, and and, and he'll get he'll you know he take off running, and he was very good at that. But then all of a sudden it was like, well, shoot, I just got to throw this one up here, right? Throw it up here. And like trying to, yeah, quicker passes, balls getting out of his hand, quicker decisions. You just see him. So I, I think a more well-balanced uh, kind of thought process quarterback as Patrick is right now is a better Patrick Holmes. Definitely. Yes. yes. 100% agree. Um, so obviously the big talk on our show and a lot of shows this week was OBJ, the, the OBJ kind of thing. Do you think as we start to see, and we're going to buy a week now, so these guys gave you more time to kind of look over things and get, and get right for, as the season you know, continues. Um, do you think we need another receiver? I mean, obviously edge is top priority because we talked about priorities. Edge is top priority. DT is a top priority. But do you think we need a, a receiver that, um, I think the, what's the word here, uh, that I'm seeing, Still want a yak receiver who's shifty with the ball in his hands. Do you think we we need that? I think we have. I think the role that we played with Cole Harmon in today 
as the gadget receiver guy, which we, we you and I talked about before on our show, JD, that he is the gadget guy. He's not really a number two receiver. He's a gadget guy, and that's the role we used him in. We 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 saw that we saw the the, the jet the, the jet sweep flip pass. We brought back finally this uh, this week. Do you think we need another guy, or are we kind of set with our with our with our receivers that we got? Look, I I, I like I like a receiver role. I do. I think those guys, like I said, they're veteran guys uh, that you can see their ability. And Juju's doing a, such a good job, man. He had, had seven catches, 127, 24 yards. Marquez back three for 111. Travis Kelsey, six for 98. McKinnon, you know, two for 36. McCall Harmon, four for 32. I mean, these guys are catching footballs. And so it, it, it's all basically coming upon really Patrick Mahomes staying upright. If you protect him, He's going to get the ball to anybody. And so yak yards, yeah, it may look good on tape and stuff, but you don't want to disrupt like a new guy coming in, okay? Uh, and I'm not saying, look, OBJ, I'm not saying don't come here for no reason, nothing like that, but I'm just saying like that what we have in this room is a good room, okay? If you can add talent out here that, that works, sure, why not, okay? I still think the priority for me is like defensive end. Uh, the running backs yeah. look really good. Pacheco looked good today. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just uh, – are, are you developing Sky more like you want to? Because he was supposed to kind of be that guy too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's that's a good question. Uh, and, and, you know, my answer, Marcus, you've seen it. It'll change. You know, I, I feel a little bit different today than I did. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Hey, I'll just be honest with you. So – uh, today I'm just like, oh yeah, man. Hey, hey yeah, it, it, take your time. We, we don't necessarily need you right now. They look pretty good. And hey, look, and got. I promise you this, guys hear that too. You, you understand another guy coming in and and eating into maybe some of your your catches. Like, oh shoot, man, we can. Hey, I I know the room's getting a little crowded. Okay, there's a lot of stars from different teams. Yeah. We're gonna be the odd man out here, right? So, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's incentive. For guys to play better, could have been. I don't know, but uh, OBJ coming, he's not gonna he's not gonna play till mid December. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, well, here's the thing, uh, JD. You you hit on a lot of good points on that one because I do agree. If it comes down to it, uh, do you choose pass rush or do you choose get, getting an OBJ? You clearly got to go pass rush. That's obviously a need. Whereas you said it yourself, you can protect Patrick Mahomes. He's going to dice up a defense whoever you put out there with him. I mean, I'm, you're talking about Justin Watson now has multiple touchdowns this season. Justin Watson was a cast-off with the Buccaneers who are dying just to score points this season. So, yes, I 100% agree with you in that regard. But here's the reason why I'm 100% on the OBJ business. And it's for a couple reasons. And it mostly is because of the fact the Chiefs have made it very obvious they do want him. I mean, you if you watch the, the Fox pregame today before the Chiefs ever played, before the new games kicked off, you saw the Travis Kelsey and Aaron Andrews interview. This is now the third time we've heard Travis Kelsey openly talk about wanting Odell Beckham Jr. on this team. I don't think that's because Travis Kelsey has any lack of confidence in his other receivers on this team. I think it's the fact that he knows what Odell Beckham Jr. is capable of when he understands an offense and how incredible he was for the Rams just last season. Sure, he's had multiple ACL tears, but here's the thing. And I compared this on my show, I compared this on my platforms, that I look at Odell Beckham Jr. as a souped-up version at the wide receiver position of what Jarek McKinnon was for the Chiefs last year, where Jarek McKinnon did literally nothing for the Chiefs all, all throughout the regular season. Then he was given an opportunity in de late December and January, and mm -hmm. he flourished. 
and was an MVP for this team. Absolutely crushed it in the in the in the postseason for the Chiefs. Killed it in the Steelers game. Killed it in the Bills game. Had a dominant performance in two big playoff games. That's what the Chiefs would be bringing Odell Beckham in for. It isn't that they are they don't feel confident in what they have. It's right. just that when you have a team of riches. What's what's it hurt to add more riches, man? If you have another guy that talented coming in here as your wide receiver too, man, that is an ideal situation to have when you're getting into January and you have these lockdown defenses because the Chiefs will more than likely face the Bills again in the playoffs. Adding Odell Beckham Jr. to that offense, getting him in this offense seven, eight weeks into knowing this offense a little bit better, he's healed up physically ready to go. Man, that gives the Chiefs so many advantages against that secondary of the Bills. So for me, I'm looking at it from a big-picture standpoint. And I'm saying, man, Odell Beckham Jr. with Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Patrick Mahomes behind a top-five offensive line. Sign me the hell up. Because that tells me this offense, this offense is always going to be, always going to have options. Because you know also, Jason, you know this better than any of us here, man. Injuries happen. There's no yeah. guarantee the Chiefs are going to be healthy going into the postseason. So right. you have an Odell Beckham Jr. sitting on the shelf wait, waiting to go in December. That's a lot more ideal than saying, well, it looks like Justin Watson's going to get 9 to 10 targets tonight. It could work, but I feel a lot better having Odell Beckham Jr. getting those snaps than even Justin Watson. Now, listen, I, and I agree with you. I do. You know, because I was saying, like, I mean, you heard me talking about, like, OBJ. He, he yeah. has a special talent, no doubt about it. And I, I agree with you as far as, like, if you can add that type of talent, without a doubt, do so. Okay. Um, and I think maybe and I'll just play devil's advocate here. Uh, if if the team is gelling like they they are right now and become the the offense like we expect them to be, uh, do you want to bring a guy in, okay, that may compromise the integrity as far as like what are you doing with him, right? Like let's let's say you, you bring OBJ in, and so all of a sudden Patrick start looking for him a little bit more, okay, trying to get him involved into the offense. So what ends up happening is maybe oh okay, maybe you're doing it too much. And I'm I'm just I'm just giving you you know just a, a, a posing view on it. Sure. Uh, but I do agree with you. I, I do see a point because I look I, I would love to have OBJ here. I would no doubt about it. I I, I feel like you said, MVS, Juju, OBJ, uh, uh, McCole Harmon, Sky Moore, right? You got Travis Kelsey, and so. But what I do know is this: we only got one football. We only got one football to go around. Okay. He's going to add some element that is going to be ready. And look, we know he's he's coming off injury. How strong is he going to be? Okay. We got to take a chance on that. Right. It's almost like everybody was talking about, you know, McCaffrey going out there to San Fran. Oh, you gave the house up, you know, to sign this guy who's only played 10 games in two years. Right. But you got to, you know, weigh the risk and the reward on these things, you know. Yeah. But hey, OBJ had Abbott. Come on, man. Hey, bring your talents here. We would love to have you. And it's just going to make us better. No doubt about it. I don't think there's any negative to bringing him in. Not at all. I don't. Like I said, as long as 15 is standing up, he's upright. That's where this, this, the whole get, that's where it's going. That's what it's all boiled down to. Okay. And so that makes sense. And, I, and I'll go ahead and kind of touch on the point you said, as far as like pass rush, it's the same thing. If you could get more hits on a quarterback, more pressures on a quarterback, a couple more sacks on the quarterback, okay? Gives you more opportunities to intercept the ball. Yep. You know, more, you know, more, you know, strip sacks. I mean, you got a lot of different things that can happen just with that. And so, especially, you know, when if you got, you know, Josh Allen, if you can get a couple more hits on him, a couple more sacks, a couple more pressures, that's going to change things, right? So, I, I just, 
we said this, and I and, and I, I'm still on this 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 board with this thing of saying, to me, pass rush and defensive end is probably the priority to me. I, it's well, just me personally. And to your point, and the reason why I agree with you 100 is what was the big difference? What was the what was the deciding factor in that Chiefs Bills game? Von Miller. Von Miller. Von Miller was the was the best player on the field that game. Josh Allen was really awesome. Josh Allen was great. Right. But Von Miller was the reason why the Bills won that game. Let's make oh, that yeah. very clear. Right. So you're 100 percent right. You get you get the Chiefs, another guy that can't maybe not be Von Miller because he's one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. Right, but if you right. get a guy that can make impact and make a difference, and like you said, add a few more hits to Josh Allen, mm-hmm. that that's a that's the difference in the Chiefs advancing in the playoffs or, or going home from the playoffs. So I 100 percent agree with you. It comes down to spending money and trading for a guy that can make immediate impact in the in the in the edge, yeah. as opposed to getting OBJ. Yeah, I'll live with not getting OBJ if it means we get that guy. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say with the OBJ, you know, Kelsey talked about OBJ. I will say just, you know, and, you know, I, I was a big Josh Gordon fan. JD and I were big Josh Gordon fans. When we brought Josh Gordon and Kelsey was one of the ones hyping up Josh Gordon, what he saw out there. And, I mean, we never really saw it, right? So, I, I will say that you know, Kelsey is a big fan of the uh, of, of those guys, you know, the, the, old, the old guard, those OBJ, the Josh Gordon types, which I'm sure Josh Gordon looked like a badass in practice and stuff. Well, not, not, listen, not, uh, but I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, man, they boys, right? I mean, yeah. Kelsey's probably hanging with those dudes, man. They're like, yeah, it's my partner. Man, come on. Yeah, absolutely I want him here, right? And yeah. he knows what they can do. He knows his skill set. And so mm. Travis is like, he wants a baller here. He wants a yeah. baller. He wants as many ballers as he can get here. No doubt I'm about sure. it. And he's cool with Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so talking about the edge rush aspect and just having another guy on the defensive line, um, as much as there was good today, there were some negatives today. Um, the, the the run defense was kind of kind of rough today. I think I read online, someone even commented here, um, collectively over the, since the Raiders game, Raiders, Bills, and then today, average uh, uh, yards per carry against us is about 6.2 yards per carry going from those last three weeks. That's that, that's not good. I mean, yeah, we played well today, and our offense dominated, and yet we, we kind of we forced some turnovers. Um, what what are you seeing from the kind of defensive line that we're getting gashed so hard? We brought Willie Gay back. He, started, he, he got some playing time today. What, what what's what's the deal with our with our um with our not being able to stop the run? You want to take it, Lance? Oh, absolutely! I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have a cool stat I'm gonna bring up in a second, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: It's never fun to watch your defense get gashed on the ground, and it's something that as a Chiefs fan I am accustomed to because that is something that historically the Chiefs have struggled with in in stopping the run. It's it's been something they've, they've struggled with for quite a long time. So I'm almost accustomed to it, and I'm almost numb to that pain. But it still sucks to see. Um, what I will say is this, and I don't want to. I don't want to downplay what I'm seeing from the because it sucks. It sucks to see, and I, and you obviously want to see your defense stop those lanes, clog those lanes, and and force third and longs. But here's the thing about these last three weeks: the Chiefs are not only two and one, but they're only giving up about 24 points per game. So I look at because I think Jason, you and I, we talked about this the, a week ago, and we talked about how. It, it, you know, we, we'll give up ground game as long as the Chiefs are, are, are tightening up in the red zone. And that's right. exactly what they've been doing. Josh mm-hmm. Allen struggled in the red zone last week, and Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do much in the red zone again this week because they tightened up, and Spags, to his credit, was dialing up perfect blitzes, getting those pressures, making those things happen, and they're keeping the scoring totals low. And here's that I wanted to give you guys that actually just dropped right before we jumped on the show today. So when Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback with the Chiefs since 2018, in games he's played... The Chiefs are 35 and 15 when they when they allow 100 yards or more off the ground on their for their opposite opposing offense. 
So they're winning over 72% of the time, even when they're giving up an, ex, an exorbitant amount of, of running offense for the other team. So what I'm saying is, as much as it sucks to see and as much as it, it gets annoying to watch, it hasn't really mattered. So if we really look at it in the grand scheme of things, if the Chiefs are keeping the score low, they can run the ball all damn day for all I care. They can get 150, 200 yards on the ground all day. If the Chiefs ain't giving up 30 points, the Chiefs are going to win 70-plus percent of the time. So go ahead. Keep running the damn ball. But Patrick Holmes is going to outscore you every time if you can't get scores in the red zone. Yeah, it, it, and it kind of goes into like the whole uh, 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 total possession you know, time, right? If you look at it, because Patrick can go and score at any time. It didn't take him that long to go down and score. And I think it's it's a great point in saying that. Uh, and so I'll say it's what I evaluated, what I've seen out there, was we were on, on the D-line, we were getting hammered. We were absolutely – when I watched them get washed, I mean, I'm talking about washed. And I was just like, wow. And so when people say, oh, yeah, uh, Bolton's regressing and stuff like that, no, we need better play up front. <laughs> just to be honest with you. They was getting to the second level, and you could see it. And so, you know, Trent Williams was smashing folks. Uh, you know, the the, the right guard, I mean, it was pulling. Like, it was nasty the first the first half. Uh, but like like Lance said, is this is this winning the game for teams, right? Is this is this the one that's the determining factor? I don't think so. So you, you bend or don't break, right? You give up a little bit here, but also, too, you know, at some point, they had to pass the ball, all right? You could you could take all the time you want to try to go down and score. We get the ball back. We go score in a minute, to How many seconds? Thirteen seconds, right? We I mean, let's keep holding on to thirteen seconds because they have that ability because of uh, PM fifteen. Uh, but I think I mean reality. Uh, it's got to be better play up line uh, on the line, defensive tackle. It has to be. Chris can't be the only one. When I sit there and I watch a defensive tackle play one on one against a guard. You got to win. That, bottom line, you got to win. If you're not winning, you got to take two. And I'm not seeing that. If it ain't mm. Chris getting double team, the other guys, they got to do a much better job. And I'm not saying that they're not spotty, but it just looks bad when they're not winning their battles and it looks really bad. Okay. Mm. Uh, and I think Saunders to me got a lot better than he was last year, but it still needs to be a more dynamic person there. I, I don't know what it is. I just, you got to be a difference maker. I don't, I don't care. You don't have to go in like Chris. You don't have to break the double team, but you need, need to hold up against these guys. Because if you don't, that's where you're going to see like the whole like slice and dice over running back. And you've seen a little bit of that today, but I was watching and I was, you know, because you, uh, Marcus, you was talking about that last week. And I wanted to watch this week and I watched them and they were just getting blown off the ball. Like it was just, I don't know. Uh, and maybe it's just a technique, man. Uh, but it seems like to me, this is just my evaluation that Saunders is sitting back off the ball further than what Chris is. Chris crowds the ball, but Saunders doesn't. So I don't know if that's just in the scheme of things, how they're trying to do it. I'm not sure. But that in itself, we talk about this is a game of inches. Like crowding the football and getting penetration is so important for the other D tackle. Now, look, we got some big other big guys out here, right? That, that could come out here, maybe plug some holes, you know, if, to stop the run. But it's the same thing, like I was talking about compromise and everything else. Is it going to compromise the pass rush? You know what I mean? Is it, you know, what's going to do to us? How are we going to look different? If you yeah. want to stuff the hole, get a big guy up here who is a, is a run stopper that can do that. Yeah. 
And we, and we, so I know a name we've brought up on our show a lot and, and a lot of fans always bring up is, is Sue. Um, and I think that that's a, I think even more talking about OBJ, it's great and all, but I, I think if we're going to get, let's get an edge guy and then maybe get a DT. Um, but there was a guy that we did bring in over the off season who, who is a, a run plugger is Danny Shelton. Now yeah. that's a guy I think that we could, after the bye, we could be we could activate him to the, the, the starting, um, the, the 53 man and hopefully get in when we're getting gashed up the middle, like we are. And I think that's a plugger you're talking about, JD, a, a guy that we already have on the roster who is a run stopper. Yeah. Look, a guy like that, you got to get him in shape. I think it's, a, you know, a lot of it is just kind of getting him in shape. And when he first got here, you could see he was gassed, mm-hmm. right. And just kind of moving and rotating, but you got to get it like a guy like that in shape. Now I'm going to ask you about Sue. Does Sue even want to play anymore? You know, I, 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 that's the question, Damn. right? We keep bringing his name up. And Sue's like, why do they keep bringing my name up? I'm <laughs> home. I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm just, I'm good where I'm at. Like, why do they keep bringing in, we're going to get uh, uh, Dama Sue up here to come play. You know, I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't, my phone's not ringing. And when it does, I'm hanging up on folks, you know, on folks. So I don't <laughs> know. Does, does Sue even want to play? That's the question. I don't know. And is he, is he good at football anymore? I mean, let's think about it. And he's, in his mid-30s now, he's had a couple injuries here and there. I mean, and like you said, maybe that desire to to go out there and kick his own ass on the field is – maybe it's not there anymore. Maybe he just – you know, I'm sure, J.D., at one point in your career, you're like, you know what? Like, I'm ready to I'm ready to exit stage left, man. I, I've done what I need to do. I think maybe Sue's at that same place. Like you said, we've heard nothing about him. So I think we're looking at more of the active players, guys that are actually yeah, in, the, right. in the league right now in rhythm that the Chiefs can add to the equation. He, he does a lot of community stuff too. I know he, he does a lot of things – you know, as far as, uh, you know, just changing people's lives and relationships out there. So I know he does a lot of good things business-wise. Hmm. I don't know if he's – maybe that's the world he's transitioning to now, yeah. right? I don't know. Yeah. So, Well, I believe he took a visit with the uh, the Raiders um, about a couple – about a, probably beginning of the season, maybe week one or like right around that time of the season. We never yep. – obviously didn't sign with the Raiders, but that was, that, that was the big rumor that he was going to sign with the Raiders. never happened, but, I mean <laughs> – that joker, that joker might have got on the plane. I'm like, man, what was I thinking? I came out here and went, I'm not coming back to this. <laughs> well, and, and your point about Danny Shelton, I like that because I was big on that guy when the Chiefs signed because the dude, I mean, he literally makes George Karloftis look like it looks like a cornerback next to him. <laughs> yeah, George yeah. Karloftis is a very big man. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I like that because also after the bye week, if you notice, the Chiefs have back-to-back games against AFC South opponents. Both teams like to run the ball. So if, if if yeah, this is a perfect time to bring Danny Shelton to the equation, bring him up to the active roster, and see what he can do against run-heavy offenses like the Jaguars and Titans, and see what he can do, man. I think that that's a really good opportunity for him to maybe prove his worth and maybe get himself a postseason run with the Chiefs. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be really good. So as we approach the end of the show here, um, so we're five and two going into the bye week, which. I think some people, you know, that gauntlet of a stretch that we had to start the season. I mean, that that, that was as good as a test as any team's going to get as far as the matchups we've had to play in the first seven weeks of the season. Um, but uh, going forward for the rest of the season, so we got coming off the bye, we got Tennessee, uh, then we go to Jacksonville, uh, or no, well, we got two home games back to back. Actually, Tennessee comes up to KC, Jaguars come to KC, then we go to LA, uh, Chargers, um, then we go back home, and the Rams come to town. Then we got at Cincinnati at Denver, at Houston, back to Kansas City for Seattle, coming to town, and then we uh, host the Broncos, and then we finish off the season at Vegas uh, for the last game of the season. So kind of, you know, a much easier uh, – I mean, yeah, there's some tough games there, but a much easier end of the season than the way we started. So that, that's, that's a good thing. But, J.D., this week with the bye week uh, coming, obviously you – you, 
players should be getting rest around this time, kind of getting rest and stuff. But as far as moves being made, should would this be the week you think moves are made so players, whoever we do bring in, have this week to get acclimated, whether it is an OBJ type who gets at least an extra week to prepare uh, and kind of learn, even though he's not going to play until December, or if it is the guy who's coming in and can actually learn before playing, um, is this the week that you want us to see, see us make a move? Uh, I mean, it, it'd be ideal, you know, because you know, what you do is you, you come with the coaches. Uh, the tempo, everything is going to be real slow as far as how you deal with everything, right? You still get, meet the whole team, but it's more of like a real chill kind of week, right? You know you don't have a game. You don't have to get prepared. Your mindset is totally different. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't see anything wrong with it. Sometimes when you bring guys in, like, like Christian McCaffrey, right, he goes over and all of a sudden he's playing and – Right, he's got to learn, you know, the the playbook and all those things. Uh, that could be a, a little uh, a nerve wracking, you know, for a guy and the team in itself. Like, you know, as far as like, you know, trying to get a guy in. And so this might be the ideal time uh, to get a guy in, just so he can get his feet wet, learn everybody, learn all the coaches, and you know, a point where everybody put their arms around him and welcome him. So yeah, why not? This, this would be a, a part. Hey, look, and right now you're sitting over here and you're five and two. Okay, so you're coming to a winning place. It, we winning around here. We win it, and it could easily be seven and zero. Oh, to be honest with you, seriously. So, if if you call somebody, uh, I, I know they would love to come to the Chiefs. Man, sign me up, bring me in. Uh, let's get it done right now. Okay, you got two weeks. So yeah, why not? Yeah, and, and I think if I, if I'm not mistaken, by the time the Chiefs play the next game, the trade deadline would be over. So I would really hope that this would be the time for the Chiefs to go out there and get a guy if they're really trying to be aggressive in the trade market uh, this next week. And also it works out perfectly for the Chiefs because they don't have a game to try to throw them into. They can really get them into film study. Right. And I think this would also be an opportunity, a perfect opportunity for them to go and sign a free agent like an Odell Beckham. If they're going to do that, this would be the ideal time to do that because you could really just get him uh, acclimated with the guys. You don't have to feel the pressure of, okay, do we throw him in the game? Do we not throw him in the game? Like, is his body ready? No, you just can just rest him for the next, you know, 13 days and just kind of work him work him into the offense and let him do that. Guys, I really do think there's a good chance the Chiefs are going to get Odell Beckham Jr. I, I really do think so. I think there's a lot of noise around this, more so than other times. I know the Chiefs have been, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, the talks with other players and things of that nature that we find out that another team overspent them. Odell's, Odell's not going to get a lot of money no matter where he goes. And if you look at like teams like the Buffalo Bills that we've heard rumored attached to him as well, he would be a wide receiver three, wide receiver four at, at, in Buffalo because of Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Dawson Knox already having the trust of Josh Allen. So he wouldn't be getting any type of targets, plus not making a lot of money. And the Bills are still the kids' uh, ch children. So the way I look at it, he has an opportunity to be a wide receiver two in Kansas City. Wouldn't make a ton of money, but he's on a team that can win a championship, and he could be a legitimate contributor. So, yes, to answer your question in the most long-winded way imaginable, I do think that if they're going to trade for somebody, it has to be within the next few days. And if they're going to sign Elder Beckham Jr., the best time to do it is within this next week. Man, can you, can you imagine that signing? How much energy that would bring to Kansas City? Like, like how, I mean, people will just be out, out of their minds you know, having a guy like that here. Seriously, they would, man. Yeah, I mean, for real. I'm like, okay, <laughs> they ain't playing around. They, they, they're very serious about this. So, like I said, man, I, I love to have him here. No doubt about it. Love to have him here. Um, so, if you if can sneak a, a defensive end in here and maybe Sue, I don't know. He'll come, you know, in, in the cover of night. I don't know. <laughs> Bring him in. Bring him in. But OBJ be good. Yeah, definitely. 
All right. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Chief Concerns presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys. So this week, uh, JD and I are going to be taking a bye week with the bye week. Um, so you won't hear from us till um, I think next next Thursday. Um, I don't know what date that is, but um, that'll be the next time you hear from us. But stick with our YouTube channel. We're going to have videos shared throughout the week, of course. Um, and Lance, what do you got? We got on tap for uh, next Saturday. The well, the ball, the ball keeps rolling with the Spoken Podcast, man. Each and every Saturday at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time, you guys can join us on our live stream, but we also podcast and just have YouTube YouTube videos, just like our guys here at the Chief Concern Podcast as well. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about, man. We got a great, great celebratory to to discuss and the Chiefs going to uh, San Fran beatdown. And then obviously we're going we're gonna to do a little bit more of a reflection, seeing that the Chiefs obviously have a bye week this week. We're going to talk about the first seven games, how we saw the season going. By the way, I had the Chiefs 5-2 and two going into the bye week, so it looks really good for the Chiefs from my point of view, and they're actually looking better than I even anticipated. So I got a lot to talk about on this week, man. I'm really excited to do it, man, and hopefully I can get you guys back on the show soon too, man, because our, our fans absolutely love it when you guys are on with us, man. And I, I always appreciate when you guys let me be on here with you guys. It's, it's always an honor, and I always have a blast. Well, come on, dude. We love, we you, love, we love being on with you, brother. Yeah, love yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Appreciate you, man. Seriously, we do. You know, man, maybe, Marcus, maybe we have to, I don't know, maybe give him just a little segment or something, a little taste. I don't know, maybe <laughs> this week. I don't know. It might feel a little weird not coming on. Maybe had to get on for a quick second. I don't know. 10 well, minutes, 15. Well, right? a, a little a small show. Wednesday night, a little small show. Yeah, a small show. Right. I'm down. Might have to go, go see Lance. Talk to Lance a little bit. Come on, man! You know I, I'm always—I always want it with Jay. I've had Marcus on the show, and I always have a blast. Jay, we got to get you back too, man. You guys are my guys. I, if I could have you guys every every week, I would sign up for that. Trust me. That's what's up, my man, my brother. <laughs> yeah, hey, and we love that we get to do this with you, man. We love—we love the spoken chief concerns collaboration, man. We love it. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see you guys. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys in. Uh, and if in about a week, a week and a half, in a week and a half, we'll we'll see you guys. So uh, that does it for us. We'll see you next time. Hi everybody! Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.